Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, I apparently have a lot of apologies that I owe <laughs> to Dennis Schroeder. Uh, sorry, it took a little bit to get this show up. I was sitting here eating a giant pie of crow. So the final in OKC, Lakers 123, Thunder 117. The Lakers obviously playing without LeBron. They were playing without Anthony Davis. They were playing without D'Angelo Russell. Uh, More on Russell here in a bit. But despite not having those guys, and yeah, the Thunder were playing without Shea Gilgis-Alexander as, look, uh, I will neither confirm nor deny reports that either exist or don't that Sam Presti intentionally caught COVID to sneeze on Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I will not say anything on that matter. But what I will say, though, is that the Lakers got a win that they absolutely needed. OKC is also in that race uh, for the play-in slash playoffs. Uh, the, this game was occurring on a night where one of Portland or New Orleans were going to drop, drop a game as they played against each other. This was a this was a game that the Lakers absolutely needed to, to have, which made it all the weirder that they played AD in the Memphis game, one that they probably weren't going to win even with AD, and then decided to sit him against OKC. I, again, more on, on that here in a bit, I guess, because the stuff that is going on there doesn't really add up. I just want to focus on the, the positives from this game. I did go on and on and on about why I'm not the biggest Dennis Schroeder fan. I still stand by a lot of that stuff. Uh, it's because I'm insanely stubborn and all of that. But he did play really well in a spot that the Lakers absolutely needed him to. He finishes the night 37 minutes, most of which came on a bum ankle after he sprained it. I thought about as bad as I've seen anybody sprain their ankle on the Lakers this year, which is really freaking saying something, apparently. He finishes the night in 37 minutes, 26 points, 7 of 8 from the free throw line, 3 of 6 from the three-point line, 8 of 18 from the field, 6 assists, uh, only the three turnovers, which given the amount of time that he spent on the ball um, and given the turnover issues that the Lakers had the night before really matters. He... uh, was a game high, looks like, yeah, game high plus 16, as I always say, 16 higher than the six-point uh, separation between the Lakers and Thunder. Just a great overall game from from Schroeder. One thing that I think uh, really kind of made his role outside outsized in this one, OKC doesn't really have a traditional point guard uh, with, with Shea Gilgis-Alexander out. So Schroeder did a really good job, even despite the the ankle issue that he was dealing with, of going up and defending, especially late in the game and late in quarters and stuff, going up and, and forcing uh, Josh Giddy to feel uncomfortable, uh, whether it was Giddy or Dort or anybody else who was coming up, uh, Trey Mann, who was bringing up the ball up the court for OKC, uh, Schroeder did a really good job throughout the game of forcing OKC to get into their sets with bad rhythm or later in the shot clock that they wanted than they wanted to. On a couple occasions, he his pressure uh, led to some offensive fouls with bad screens because there was bad rhythm there. So on both sides of the ball, 
Schroeder played his actual ass off. He no longer has an ass. He's going to work on growing it back before the Lakers play again Friday night. Uh, just a, an incredible game for Schroeder. Again, on a night that the Lakers desperately needed a win. It just situa- situationally, and Darvin Ham said that you know they aren't going to let win or loss situations dictate whether or not a player is going to go or not. Uh, okay. <laughs> But yeah, the Lakers, uh, they, they needed this one and they got it. You know, Schroeder obviously gets the game ball, but Troy Brown Jr. bounces back. He shoots seven of 10 from the field, four of seven from three point range. Uh, that was huge. Mo Bamba made three three pointers. That is a big deal. Malik Beasley shot 12 three pointers, which, yeah, he only made three of them. And that is good for a 25% field goal percentage from behind the line. But his interest in shooting does open things up for everybody else so that was good to see Beasley get back there and and once again be aggressive from from three-point range uh Austin Rivers or (laughs) Austin Rivers Austin Reeves I I look you know what I'm just gonna retire confusing Austin Reeves and Austin Rivers is a capital offense and it is time for me to go I am being told contractually I am obligated to not go away. So I look, I I tried. I needed to go away for committing that error. Uh, but unfortunately, my, 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 my hands are forced here. I, I don't know what to say here. But uh, Austin Reeves finishes the game 5 of 5 from the field. Only missed one free throw on the night. Uh, he finishes with 19 points, 4 assists, a steal, uh, was was absolutely huge as a secondary creator and occasionally as a primary creator. Uh, they tried to use Lonnie Walker as a primary creator on a few occasions earlier in the game, and he just wasn't up to that kind of challenge. So they went more with Austin Reeves, and he was significantly better. So that was that was good to see. Um, speaking of Lonnie Walker, though, like yeah, I I think he got a little carried away. He, he, I, I tweeted this out, but he looked like somebody who was just really happy to have the basketball again in an NBA game. He hasn't, that hasn't been the case here in a little bit. So he was a little trigger happy there, but he did get to the free throw line 11 times, um, more than anybody else in the game by, you know, especially compared to anybody in OKC. So that was actually, I think really big. The Lakers, when they needed a bucket, really kind of relied on Schroeder. Or Walker getting to the to the free throw line, or Reeves doing whatever he can. Reeves actually shot nine free throws of his own. So yeah, it was just a a, a solid top to bottom effort uh, on a night that the Lakers just once again really needed this one, especially given the fact that apparently D'Angelo Russell isn't going to be good to go Friday against Minnesota. I guess this is the opportunity to talk about that. Before we talk about D'Angelo Russell, I guess we have to talk about Anthony Davis in uh, and the decision from the Lakers apparently to sit him as part of a plan, despite the fact that Darvin Ham, just like a couple weeks ago, was saying that there would be no such plan and that they were going to try to get all of their main players out there for all of the remaining 23 games that they had at the time because they were heading into a playoff push. Uh, that is still insanely close, right? The Lakers are still on the outside looking in 
of the play-in picture, let alone the playoff picture. And uh, yeah, this was a real head-scratcher. I don't... See, this is the thing. I have... You, you've, you guys have heard me complain about the way that the Lakers handle injury information and how it forces us to speculate. I have no other choice here. If they were clearer about it, like the Warriors, for example... Uh, sent out an entire like paragraph about the situation with Steph Curry. That's great. There's no guesswork there going on from that point forward. Uh, but for whatever reason with the Lakers and, you know, if we're going to be honest, specifically clutch players, like we just don't get that information. We don't get clarity on it. We still don't know what's wrong with LeBron. We, for most of the season, haven't really, it's like a stress reaction with, with AD and that was the reason that they held him out of this one, but they're saying it was a planned absence. So, you know, if I if I had to guess, I think AD probably wanted to play in the TNT game so that Shaq and Chuck wouldn't call him street clothes. Uh, we know that he has responded to pressure to try to get out onto the court uh, for, for especially the second half of his time with the Lakers. And, and yeah, I hope that isn't the case. I'm not saying I know this definitively, but if I had a guess, you know, I, I kind of wonder if that's what's kind of going on there. And then, look, like, <laughs> the Lakers weren't going to beat Memphis last night. Like, they, they, beating Memphis, Memphis is the two seed. So beating Memphis without one of your primary ball handlers or initiators on offense is already going to be difficult. But when you're going up against Memphis without LeBron and without D'Angelo Russell, that's one that you just kind of chalk up to the schedule gods and you move on and you try to throw it all throw all of your assets behind trying to win the following night against OKC. Now, fortunately, the Lakers were able to win. And if you if I want to be completely fair here, maybe the thinking is you play AD, maybe he goes bananas, you sneak out with a win against Memphis, and then you're capable of beating a still shorthanded. OKC team, which by the way, the Lakers did go out and do despite not having AD. Maybe that's your line of thought there. I just think that is putting a lot more pressure on tonight's game than it needed to be. And you for damn sure better win that Memphis game, which they didn't. So yeah, I, I just, the, the approach doesn't make any sense. The information doesn't make any sense where you have Darvin Ham at one point saying that they're going to play all of their guys for, for all 23, and then now walking that back today and saying that they aren't going to let wins and losses and the situation dictate who is available uh, for what game. I, that is a new stance that has not been held at any point in my life. And and like the other thing, too, is AD, <laughs> Anthony Davis is not 30 years old yet. Like this is not somebody. This is not like a a mid thirties player with all kinds of miles on his odometer. Like th this is he's supposed to be in his prime. This is the kind of guy that you would anticipate be able to handle back to backs. And yeah, like some of this has to do with the stress reaction or whatever it is that he's dealing with, and that is why they aren't playing him on on back to backs. But if you're not going to play him on back to backs, be smarter about it. And and like I don't know. At, at one of these seasons while Anthony Davis is in the league, it would be really nice to walk into it and not feel like, well, he can't play center because he might get hurt that way. And he can't play back to backs because he might get hurt that way. 
and he might not be available for one of the biggest nights on in, in the season because he might be hurt. It might might it's just at some point, and I understand that yeah, like th- this is this is medicine, and I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about when it comes to medicine or the way the body works. And as that is the case, if somebody was to explain it to me, I would shut up and listen. With that said, this is one of your biggest games of the season to this point. And this is a guy who you were hoping at some point LeBron would be able to pass the baton off to and and would be able to carry the organization moving forward after LeBron. But I don't think any Lakers fan right now can confidently say, moving forward, that you, you're you okay with the baton being handed off to, to Anthony Davis, whether it's because of, uh, you know, playing style, position he doesn't want to play, or his physical availability. That's not something that anybody right now can confidently speak on. And that's not ideal if that is the heir apparent to LeBron whenever he moves on one way or the other. Now, speaking of the other injury-prone all-star that the Lakers are hoping kind of gets it together as they embark on this playoff push, D'Angelo Russell uh, sprained his ankle, obviously, on a freak play on the baseline that you almost never see. It, I don't know, I... I'm not one to judge the the uh, caliber of of sprains or whatever, or compare how bad a sprain is compared to another one. Like that's not again, like I just said in the last segment, that's not something I know enough about or whatever. What what struck me as interesting after that game was D'Angelo Russell saying that he hasn't done that much before, and and we'll have to see how he responds to it. Which again speaks to me of like. Yeah, it might be a pain management thing, and he doesn't trust his foot right now or his ankle right now uh, to to be able to really push it in the way that he has to be able to push it. Um, I, I I think we can kind of say the same thing about Anthony Davis that like if his body isn't close to a hundred percent, he doesn't feel as confident as as he would maybe like to, and and would rather not risk it. These guys make their lives off of their bodies totally. Uh, a, a perfectly okay stance to take. Uh, but for both of these guys and for the situation that we're talking about right now, it sucks that the Lakers are, are, are trying to you know remain afloat in this playoff pursuit where you know the, the, the 38-year-old who has way more miles than either of the other guys that we're talking about, uh, if if he is anywhere close to 100%, I feel more confident in his interest in playing in those spots than the other guys. Or to frame it another way, which I think we have to, to be fair to those players, the organization, uh, for whatever reason, it, it, you know, is more willing to hold out Anthony Davis or uh, D'Angelo Russell than they are with LeBron. And I think some of that is just kind of like the leverage that those players have over the situation than compared to LeBron. LeBron is is a lot more capable and confident uh, in, in being able to say, like, no, nah, I'm going to play tonight, or nope, I'm just not available, right? You know, and if LeBron isn't available, I don't have any questions of, like, yeah, he can't go, or is he, you know, where is he at on the scale of 1 to 10 or whatever. That's not, I, that's not something I've ever really concerned myself with. 
But yeah, for for like whenever LeBron, whether he retires or he moves on in free agency or trade, whatever, um, the next kind of era of the Lakers as it's kind of designed right now is a D'Angelo Russell because the Lakers, per reports, are interested in in re-signing D'Angelo Russell. Um, They, I would imagine, would be interested in keeping Anthony Davis for the long haul. So if the future of your organization is tied to D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Davis, once again, like I'll ask you guys, if you guys are listening, how confident you guys are in their ability to, to physically carry an organization moving forward. I don't think anybody can really confidently speak one way or the other there. Certainly not confidently say like, yeah, that's the next era of Lakers basketball, baby. I, so yeah, this, the, all of these games are huge. The Lakers, all of these wins like this, if, if they lose tonight, that is an extra game that they have to win against a team that they otherwise may not be confident in their abilities to beat. And by winning tonight, that means that like they stay on schedule, but getting off schedule and getting and, and putting more stress on your margin for error when you don't really have much to speak of as uh, to begin with, it, it just, it sucks to not have guys available and, and kind of wonder what the hell is going on there. Not even saying about like, you know, their pain tolerance or, or whatever. We just don't get any transparency on what's going on. How do, so far, D'Angelo Russell has already missed what? Going on a week? And an MRI wasn't run to see, like they were said this was going to be a day-to-day thing. So now we're a week-to-week thing, right? And we haven't run an MRI. We have, we, if an MRI has been run, there's no reporting been done on it, right? There, was, there were x-rays, does the MRI machine work? Like, did, did they did they clear their budget for the MRIs for that month, and they had to wait to get into March to run the next one? I so I don't know. There's just it's really frustrating to sit here in in the most crucial part of a season that I think still legitimately has promise to it, um, and 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 just not really know who is going to be available on a night-by-night basis and have zero transparency whatsoever as to what is going into those decisions, who is making them, who is who is doing what to be available, the reasoning behind it, the actual extent of the injuries themselves. We don't know shit, and that's not great. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Um, uh, I guess a quick update here, because why not? Uh, Vox, I, you know, I had a meeting with, with, uh, Vox and they are currently working on migrating podcasts over to a place where it's kind of a holdover. And from there, I'll be able to take the podcast wherever I decide to go. There are multiple offers on the table for where the podcast could go, um, as, as part of the next kind of chapter of, of this adventure. Uh, but the timeline appears to have been pushed back about a week or so because of some technical difficulties as uh, the company that currently houses the feed is trying to sort out how to migrate all of the feeds from from SB Nation that that need to be migrated over. So um, I appreciate everybody's patience. I, just like you guys can probably tell from the length of these lowdowns, am just as anxious and excited to get back to talking to other human beings on this feed 
Um, but you know, until we get a little bit more clarity on that front, it's just, uh, you know, it makes more sense to kind of keep with the lowdowns and keep churning out the content that we can right now, and then try to line up whatever we have to for whatever comes next. So that is where things stand right now. I would love to, you know, be able to offer up, um, you know, more specifics here, but that borders on unprofessionalism and, and that's not something that, that I want to cross into. What I can say right now is that I am still in line to gain control over this feed and that the feed is, as you guys uh, know it and, and loved it before, is going to be back um, in some fashion here before you know it, definitely by the end of, of this coming month. So we'll see what that looks like. We'll see what the timeline looks like and all of that. And we'll see where this thing goes. You know, there's, there, there are, like I said, a few options on the table that, I, that all are, are, are really fascinating and intriguing ones. Um, it's, I can only make this decision once where, wherever we decide to take this thing next. And, and I want to try to remain as true to the content and as true to the audiences as we possibly can wherever we wind up. So that's all I got for now. Um, we will be back though tomorrow night or to, yeah, tomorrow night, um, where we hopefully will have a little bit more clarity on Anthony Davis's availability for Friday's game against Minnesota. Um, unfortunately, like I said, D'Angelo Russell will not be good to go for Friday either. If AD is not good to go for Friday, I think that's when we really start kind of wondering what the hell is going on there. Uh, but fortunately, you know, by winning in this one, the Lakers do kind of, they, they stay on schedule. And that's that's really kind of what matters here as as they try to keep pace in an in insane Western Conference playoff or play-in push. So until I talk to you guys next, I'm Anthony Irwin. Say how we go.